You know what you remind me of, Mikey? Someone who you play golf with, and they never hit the shot of the day, but they always hit it down the middle, 100 yards at a time, all the way to the hole. They're never, ever, ever going to get a birdie or an eagle, but they're almost always going to get a par or one over. And it fucking shits me to tears. You lay down to like $8 bets and stuff. Like, I have never, I don't ever bet, but when I do, it's not $8. Hello, and welcome back to Stab Podcasts. I am Michael Saramella, and this week is going to be all Stab Cusp. The drop is going to be coming on Friday in a totally separate episode. We're also going to have an interview with Crosby Colapinto about his new film with his brother Griffin. It's called DNA, and it is fantastic, like truly, truly fantastic. But you'll hear more about that on Friday. For now, Stacey G and I are going to get into everything that happened in G-Land and everything that may or may not happen in El Salvador. So we're going to be talking about some winners, some losers, some injuries, uh, some conspiracy theories, everything in between. Um, So there's a lot in this episode, two events to cover, but I promise you it will be worth it in the end. So if you love competitive surfing, this episode is all for you. Let's drop straight in to the staff cast. Hello, Mikey C. I can't confirm whether you're shirtless or not because we're going to run a pretty budget operation here, just a little FaceTime audio conversation. So you're going to have to describe to me whether you're shirtless or not. I'm majorly shirtless right now. Um, It's 8 a.m. for me. I believe it's like 7 p.m. for you because you're still in the jungle, are you not? Yep, I am still in the jungle. And it's probably the first event I've ever gone to where I haven't looked to depart as soon as possible and I think that as bratty as that might sound um, you definitely do go some places where you're already thinking about getting out of there the moment that the heats are done but this place is so fucking sick and we had a flight that was out two days after the comp finished and we're just going to leave it that way it's like a corporate retreat right Everybody at Quick just stays around and gets to actually surf, and, and there's a new, new swell filling in as well. It's pretty cushy. Might as well just transition this into a big global sales event. <laughs> That's lovely. Um, yeah, so I heard you had a nice little session, a last session this afternoon, and um, yeah, you'll be getting on your way home soon, but fuck, man, we got a it's lot It's so to crazy to think event. about how running heats on day one and then having so many days off and then starting again... I can't imagine what it looked like to the outside world. I know what it was like to be here and feel all of that. But, like, for instance, I had no idea there was, like, 52 on-hold calls or something. Because when you're here, you just, you you'd kind of can feel it coming. You can kind of see, like, we're going to be off for five days here. But I feel like the forecasting this year for a couple of the events has been not as predicted so i feel like there was a little bit of um apprehension there like we didn't even get any days off calls internally which sometimes happens like it was it was literally wake up every day and check so i think you know for someone like philippe toledo who was first heat of the event once it fired back up again like that that would have been such a hard position to be in his stay would have been so much different to like you know Ethan Ewing, who won his first heat, you know, like it's so such a different dynamic. Yeah, that is really wild, um, and it makes it even sicker and funnier that Gabby and Italo just jetted off to Bali for a little bit, just 
fuck it, basically. Um, and yeah, from the, I can give you the outsider's perspective is, at least for myself, like, I pretty much just tuned out, because first and foremost, like, the time zone couldn't be worse for me. Um, I think it's, you know, we're basically 12 hours apart, but with GLAN, the way it works and the trade winds and whatnot, you guys, it never looked like you guys were going to start first thing, right? So the earliest you guys ever started, I think, was like 10 o'clock my time. So I ended up just barely watching any of the event at all. I watched maybe two hours of the event live in the on finals day, and that was it. That was all I could muster, and the rest of it was just um, heat analyzer, which obviously would be different for someone in Australia or whatever, even... California is better than East Coast, but yeah, it was, it was, this was the, for me, I think the event that I watched the least amount of actual hours live that I have of any event in the past, like, 10 years, which is pretty crazy. For sure, and I, I can't blame you. I think if the forecast was different, you, you would make those efforts to get up early and watch the last heats of the day or, or stay up later, but the forecast was just so challenging, like, even you know even we were getting messages from the old boys back at home like who've been coming to gland for 30 or 40 years and don't check wind guru or anything they just look at the synoptic charts and they were like yeah there's a big high sitting off you guys it's not gonna be good like it was just so obviously gonna be a challenging week and um i think it's still though a testament to the event what they ended up with because even if they waited they finished on the best day like hunt without a doubt finished on the best day Today was fun, but you couldn't have run CT heats. Like, it was really slow, really, really slow. Like, it was probably bigger today than any of the days that I'd seen, but, like, one good wave every 40 minutes, if that. So, you know, happy to happy to have a free surf, but to run heats would have been hard. Yeah, they definitely... I mean, finals day looked fun, you know? Like, it obviously still wasn't epic by G-Land standards, but it was fun, and... It just, it is what it is. You know, I've heard people be critical about, um, you know, the time of year that they went there and the length of the waiting period. But I don't know, to me, I mean, they gave it 10 days in late May into early June. You know, that that's as close to peak season as you could possibly get, if not in peak season. And just, I just think they got unlucky, which is unfortunate for everyone involved. But yeah, just kind of how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And Actually, we're going to be talking later about El Salvador, and they, they've got another kind of tricky situation over there. But for now, Stacy, I haven't, can't believe I haven't said this yet. Congratulations on picking the two winners. Uh, in our last episode, you said that Jack Robinson and Joanne DeFay were going to win G-Land, and they did against all odds, so congrats. Yeah, thanks. I actually am stoked that I told you to shove it when you were trying to get me off Robbo. Um, I, uh, and as funny as it is that I don't know that he won all of the heats that he did win, I'm stoked to see him, um, you know, on top. And I think... Um, you know, he's just a, a remarkable young man. He's transitioning through life just kind of seamlessly at the moment, which, you know, for those of us on the inside, which, you know, even someone like yourself knows, like, he's had a pretty interesting life for a young man, you know. He's an interesting relationship with his father, and now he's out on his own, and he's traveling with his missus, and he's got a Brazilian coach, and, uh, you know, he's... He's got his trainer here with him, who's also Brazilian, and, and that, that, for an Australian, um, is a very unique way. I don't think I've ever seen such diversity in, in anyone's support network before, and it's, 
you know, it's not something that I take very lightly. You know, Australians are very insular. You don't really see them branch out too much. And Jack is just on fire. Yeah, and I mean, to that point, you know, obviously a lot of the people who would be mad about the results are probably Brazilian, be it the surfers or the fans or whatever, but they kind of, they must have a little bit of a soft spot for Rabo because of that, right? Like it, you know, the fact that he shows that level of, you know, bridging that divide that hasn't really been done very often in professional surfing is, is really cool. And, and yeah, to your point, I mean, he's, he's got two things going for him right now. He's got supreme confidence and he's got the judges seem to be sort of like really loving what he's doing. And I think those two things feed off of one another as well. You know, like your confidence rises when you feel like, oh, yeah, waves coming in the last second. Of course, I'm going to get this score. Like, all I have to do is kind of surf it within myself and the judges are going to eat it up. So he's in a good place right now. Um, he's also number two in the world, which is pretty awesome. He's looking great to make finals day. And that's a pretty huge leap, you know. If you look at it holistically, like his the last 12 months of his life have been pretty incredible. He went from having his first CT win in Mexico, basically saving himself from getting eliminated uh, off the CT. And then he goes straight into a Hawaii season where he has, he, first of all, he filmed Stab in the Dark, which is like a real, I think, career milestone for a lot of surfers or pretty much every surfer that gets to do it. Um, you know, he has a good... Hawaii season and then he now he's won two events this year and he's going to be probably at lower trestles so yeah the the way that Jack's life has I don't want to say turned around because it's not like it was going badly before that but it's really just sort of hit a new trajectory I'd say in the past 12 months yeah it's just realizing potential and it's such a hard thing to do and it's so easy for us armchair critics to sit back and pick people apart but I think when it is happening you've got to give it every bit of respect and credit that's due and, and he's he deserves it all like yeah whether or not he gets scores in certain heats or whatnot like he's getting opportunities and he's riding them to his best of ability at that moment and if the judges want to say he's the winner well fuck it he's the winner like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna disagree with that and I think you know our Latin American fans with their fast typing keyboards might um, you know disagree with us but at the same time like they've had pretty much every world champ from 2014 so I don't think they can be too upset minus a few John John moments and I think that you know the sport the sport's in a really good place I think um, the, the, the top five's so diverse and yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And then, yeah, like you said, Joanne got the win with the women, and she's really the only surfer that comes off the bottom on her backhand and doesn't look like she's hanging on for dear life. Um, she really squares up her shoulders and belts the lip and, and you know, a deserved champion. Uh, and I can, I can say she's also a champion of the beer sculling contest, which didn't make the cut of Jungle TV, but I can happily share this on the podcast. Uh, I offered to, you know, celebrate with Joanne and, and scull a beer for, for a bit of fun, and she fucking wiped the floor with me. So she's just a good old all-round fashion athlete. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I think we're going to do a director's cut and maybe throw that in there. Oh, you have to. You have to. Um, so, yeah, to your point, Joanne won. She is the sixth winner on the female side in six event this year's there've been no double ups and interestingly enough world number 1 remains winless chris Moore grabbed the yellow jersey off of brisa hennessy this event uh chris obviously made it to the final but she yeah she just hasn't gotten that w yet so uh yet to see if we're looking at a joel parkinson 2012 situation or, or what's going on exactly but um yeah 
we've got another event in a week, so she's got another chance. Um, and then on the on the men's side, speaking of judging, it was interesting to see Felipe really fired up. Um, you know, I, I particularly saw in his quarterfinal match, he seemed really upset with the scores, and yeah. It's I don't know if it's um if this has been kind of like building up in him or if it had to do with the fact that you know he was on call all week for the first heat and it was just all this pent up frustration and then you know he's getting fives and sixes and waves where he's doing pretty critical turns to be fair um, and then I, yeah I wonder how he's going to feel watching the the replay after that final as well but he seems to be very fired up at the moment yeah I think there was a lot going on for Philippe this week I I think that um. It would be hard being that first uh, heat of the event, and it's that's so unique to our sport, and I don't think it gets enough sort of highlight on it, is that we are at the mercy of the ocean. We all know that. But just put yourself in that athlete's shoes. Like any other sport, you set your watch, you tee off, you kick the football, you get up and you go, and you can plan around that. Um, if he wants to have a mid-event blowout, which he did... Like, he's risking, which we all know, and he gets paid a lot of money to do this, but, like, hey, he's just human. If he wants to let his hair down with his mates, like, he's more than entitled to do that. And I feel like it definitely... Yeah, he was even like that in his posted interviews. He wasn't super, like, thrilled about being here, I don't think. And that that's fine. I was kind of stoked to hear that raw kind of emotion out of him. And, and I agree, his surfing was so bloody gnarly the only thing I will say though is he's coming up against kids like Griffin Colapinto and Jack Robinson who are happy to sit there and wait for the best wave and he was lucky to get through Griffin in that quarter because Griffin was poised for a victory there and you know to see him lose to Jack Robbo like he did wasn't so like out of the ordinary when you look at how Jack was structuring his heats he was letting a lot of waves go like a lot of waves. He let a lot of fives go, which is a hard thing to do out there because the difference in a five and a seven, to my eye, wasn't that much. Like it was like a three footer versus like a just a four footer, you know? And the judges, they still look to score that, you know, bigger turns and bigger critical sections. And I think Jack and Griffin were doing that really well. And so was Philippe when he got this opportunity, but he was riding a lot of waves. Yeah, he was, you're right. Um, all right, so that brings us to the other big Brazilian story from this week, and that was Gabriel Medina. I think after watching you know, his first few heats, a lot of people thought that he was going to storm the castle and take the victory, but of course he got shut down by Rabo, so he got a semifinal here. That's 6,000-odd points, and the cut line is currently at 23,000. That is through technically six events, but only counting five of them. Um, and that means that there are four events remaining. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking the cut line is going to be probably around 40,000, right? That's where you're, that's the minimum requirement to get into the top five and into lowers. And that would mean in the next four events, Medina would have to average 8,500 points, which is essentially three firsts and a second place. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I'm with you. I really think he needed to come out of the gates here with a win, which he fucking nearly did. I jokingly said to him he looks like he's surfing at about 30%. He kind of cocked his head and looked at me like, fuck off, I'm surfing at 30%, but I still don't believe him. 
Like I still think he, he looked fucking pretty relaxed out there. Um, just good to see him going left. Like, he's such a phenomenal surfer. So to get to see him open up like that without just, like, you know, pump, pump air was really good to see, like, his variety and how strong and well-rounded he is. But I still think he's got so much more to give, and he will have to give it. I agree with you with the numbers. Like, it still wouldn't surprise me if he made, you know the final five if maybe the the numbers come in a little lower than what we predict but if they are around the numbers that we are thinking which i agree with you i think wow it'll be a super super human effort but if anyone can do it it's him that is absolutely right um and you know there are some waves that suit him a little better than others on the back end of the draw like if it was g land five times in a row i'd say like yeah he probably does actually have a chance but you know looking at like obviously he's he's done really well at J Bay before and um you know he's had some success in other right points like he won Snapper, which is maybe a decent comparison to El Salvador. Um I just I don't know, for whatever reason just it doesn't seem likely to me. So that it is what it is. A lot of people seem to still think that it's gonna happen, which is fine. Um I don't know if they've looked at the numbers per se or if they're just going off field, but either way it would be an incredible story. So part of me hopes that it does happen. But Probably unlikely. Um, and that brings us to the other sort of heavyweight on the men's side of the draw, being John Florence, who, as we know, he ended up in a knee brace again this year. So that's um, this makes it the fourth year in a row that somewhere in the middle of the season, he has ended up in a knee brace. Um, fortunately, he's still able to surf, at least for now. We assume that he's gone home back to Hawaii to get all manner of tests to check out what's wrong. But you were there, Stacy. What was the kind of word on the street? I didn't ask anyone, and like his camp are always fairly tight-lipped around his sort of happenings. But just looking at his setup, it looked pretty bad. You know, like it was fully strapped, massive fucking knee brace, and like tiny, grindy, more or less closeout lefts. You, you couldn't pick. A, a worse wave to try and like navigate that situation I don't think um, so I don't know anything about his situation for El Salvador but I'd be very surprised to see him there wow that's pretty heavy so John is you know he's currently still third in the world so he's in a pretty good position but you know there's four events remaining and obviously were he to not finish the year he wouldn't finish inside the top five and yeah so he's gonna he's gonna need to come back you know by probably J-Bay to stand a chance to be in the finals obviously he's got a few good events in the back part of the year he's got J-Bay and Chopo where you assume that he'll do pretty well but um yeah man it's just it's really sad to see honestly like probably the talent of our generation just basically getting i mean taken out at the knees <laughs> sorry to, for the you know the terrible pun but it's just like yeah man it's year after year after year same thing um it's just really sad no it really is and it's just one of those things like you know i don't know what what the story is there but i i had a loose conversation with uh Stab's very own Ethan Davis this morning and I just sort of jokingly made, you know, the 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 observation of Gabriel's physique uh, when I saw him coming out of the water and he's just a fucking strong looking man. That's all I'll say. You know, he's not like buff ripped. He's just fucking built like a bit of a tank. And 
you know, you just, I don't know, just, I don't know, everyone's built differently, and, and John's a lot taller than Gabe, um, Gabe's a little stockier, and maybe, maybe that helps, I don't know, I'm not a fucking scientist or a doctor, but yeah, it's just, um, it's just a shame to, shame to see it, because, you know, you just want to see someone like him as healthy as possible for as long as possible. How you never know what his success in the title department could have been. Um, but I think, other than that, like I just want to see him and Gabriel going fucking nuts against one another. Not like every year that one wins the title, the other's not even there, or vice versa. Or yeah, yeah, it feels like we've never really seen them get to go head to head, which is pretty crazy for a full year. And on that note, too, like looking at the differences between them, it's not just stature or actually, I think that it's probably related to stature and Gabriel's stockiness versus John's a bit longer. But just the the, the style in which they surf, like Gabby's, you know, knees are generally speaking over his ankles when he surfs, which any physical trainer will tell you is a really structurally sound way to be to avoid injuries. Meanwhile, John is a bit more knock kneed. And that puts you at risk because that means when you're bearing loads, like when you're basically like, you know, taking an air, landing an air or whatever, and your knees are coming inside of your ankles, that means different parts of your body and to a large degree, your knee is having to to wear all of that weight. Um, So I definitely think that John's style of surfing, while it's probably more aesthetically pleasing, it's also more injury prone, which is unfortunate that those two things sort of coincide. But it's, yeah, I guess it's just kind of the way the cookie crumbles. How, how many knee injuries have you had? You've had a knee injury. I have had a knee injury. And I definitely stand more like Gabriel on a surfboard than John. <laughs> um, but anyway, on that note, we also know that Seth Moniz is out with a knee injury. He got hurt while filming for Trilogy 2. So I think he did a big air landed in the flats and hurt himself. So he's currently, yeah, we, we don't really know his status right now for El Salvador, but I think the assumption is he will not be attending either. So we'll keep an eye out for that, and we will let you know if there are any updates, um, likely on the website, not on the podcast, because we won't be back on the cusp until after El Salvador. Yeah, that was a bummer. Bad timing, too, because Seth was kind of due to kick back into gear again. He had an amazing start of the year, and he's... He'd probably be pretty happy to find some form in a jersey again, but unfortunately he's going to be sitting on the sidelines for maybe an event or so. We don't know yet, but uh, yeah, when you're in those situations, maybe a little break like that, maybe it'll be a blessing in disguise. You know, he's obviously made the cut and there's no pressure there. Um, But I could see he was definitely putting a lot of pressure on himself to make that final five. So maybe a little breather and a little rethink and then he can get back into action and come home strong and hopefully still do it yeah i mean it's interesting too i mean you talk about people who had a strong start poor kelly man he came out of the gates with that incredible victory at pipeline and you know obviously not to take anything away from that like he'll remember that for the rest of his life but yeah the rest of the season has been pretty humdrum so um i think you know remember earlier in the season we did that piece on you know will kelly be in the final five at the end of the year and a lot of people were saying yes and it just doesn't seem likely at all at this point yeah he would really need to find some flavor through these next couple of events um i you know if you want to get into theories i personally don't love boats they make me feel kind of funny i believe there's a term for that called seasickness and i just don't know about being on a boat your whole fucking week and then coming in to surf heats like man that for me would feel so bizarre like not 
Like, he would even come in on a jet ski to get his rashy and still not touch the land. Like, Beach Marshall or one of his mates or whoever would throw the rashy just over the water's edge to him and he'd catch it on the jet ski. Like, he wouldn't set foot as far as I could see. I don't know if he was coming in and getting lunch at one of the other camps or whatnot, but, like, I didn't see him a lot around the town. So, assuming he was just going boat, jet ski, heat, that seems like a wild setup. <laughs> yeah, it does. When when you frame it like that, it does seem weird. But then also you think about, you know, people go on obviously boat trips to Indo and that doesn't seem to impact their, their surfing. But yeah, I don't know. There, It does seem weird that he hasn't set foot on ground. Maybe it's a tax thing. Maybe it's like, oh, if I don't, if I don't technically touch the ground in Indo, then, you know, I get to keep all these. Yeah, there, there could be some other weird scheme to it. Um, I think he definitely did the right thing, though, as far as like you know, comfortability is concerned. It looked pretty, uh, looked pretty enjoyable out there. But, um, you know, the, the, the camps here though, like the food and everything we've had and the setups are so good. Like it wasn't, it was nowhere near as sort of jungly as what I thought it was going to be. We've been like, yeah, our setups are sick. Oh, why were all the surfers complaining about the food then? I mean, what do you expect when you come to Indo? Like fucking rice and fish and chicken and go shred. Maybe they, you know, I don't know. Um, we were super lucky. Like our our camp had this coffee legend, and we were getting like crazy smoothie bowls, and yeah, like it was next level Jawa Jiwa for the win. I don't think we had any pro surfers staying here, um, so we couldn't have officially won. But then again, I think Jungle TV won a few gold logies, so maybe we did win. <laughs> You certainly did. That was, uh, by the way, yeah, I didn't congratulate you on that as well. That was an incredible performance these past couple of weeks. Jungle TV, if you haven't seen it, check it out. Quicksilver's Instagram. And yeah, with that, I think, uh, oh, sorry. So one last thing. So if you if you bet with me this week, you maybe made a little bit of money. Um, I think I came out like $100 on top. That Jack getting Felipe at the end of that heat really killed me. But um, yeah. Apparently, you should be taking your betting or not betting tips from Stacy G. So, in a little bit, we're going to do our El Salvador picks, and we'll see if he can go uh, two in a row. You mean four? <laughs> yeah, four in a row, four in a row. All right, you got me, Stacy. So that's on, of course, Bet Online AG. That's our one of our sponsors for Stab Cusp and for the rest of the season. So get on there, spread your seed, and see if you can come out on top like Stacy G. Um, in the meantime. Let's get on to El Salvador, yeah? Let's fire it up. You're um, much more tuned into that part of the world than I am. Is there any big South Swells heading in that direction? No, is the simple answer. The more sort of complicated answer is that it looks like if you if you go and just look at a swell height chart um, at the start of the event period, you'd be like, oh, wow, it's going to be kind of big. The problem is the swell is coming from a pretty local storm system that appears like it's going to be off the coast of El Salvador. So that's going to mean weird winds and short period waves, which are not ideal for these right-hand points. So it's actually going to be a little bit tricky. Um, it's, It's hard to tell. You know, we're still, when we're recording this, like six days out. So things can change, especially with these local systems. But as of now, it looks like it's going to be a bit stormy, woolly, all over the place, um, you know, with waves, which is good, but it's just a matter of are they going to have really contestable conditions? So yeah, it's it's a little dicey at this point. Did I just see that 
a bunch of towns uh, up around Haltulco and whatnot just got wiped off the map with a hurricane? Yeah, that is right. Um, basically, Oaxaca got hit with its, I think they said it's the strongest recorded storm to ever make landfall in the month of May, which is sort of early hurricane season for us. And yeah, so Puerto Escondido got hit. Um, areas around like Barra de la Cruz, basically where that CT was last year, got hit. And I think it was really bad for some people. So um, I don't know if that's related at all. I haven't really looked at the map that closely. I don't think it's going to be the same storm because those storms tend to head south to north and El Salvador is south of Mexico. But it could be that there's a bit of a tropical pattern right now that is creating these storms. But like I said, a lot of things change. Like these hurricanes are really, really hard to predict. And I don't even know if the one hitting El Salvador will reach that status. I kind of doubt it. But yeah, there's a bit of a turbulence in the water, so to speak. Well, I have to, as much as I wish you were wrong, you got the forecast for G-Land spot on. So I'm going to stick with you on this one. (laughs) Thank you. So I do want to just give some background. Obviously, there's never been a CT event in El Salvador, but they have had plenty of QS events over the years, like between 2011 and 2013. um, They had a bunch. And interestingly enough, all the finalists were regular footers. And on the women's side, they had QS in 2015 and 2016, and three out of the four people in those finals were regular footers as well. So I think, you know, pretty typical right-hand point break, regular footers are going to do well. Obviously, we saw Jack Robinson win Barra last year, and, you know, most of the uh, snapper victors for a really long time were regular foot until Gabby, Wilco, and Owen came along. But yeah, I'm, I'm... if I were to put my money in one direction, it would definitely be with the uh, the old left foot forward for El Salvador. How are you feeling? But maybe someone like Nat Young could just pull out a couple of backhand whips and get the fucking job done. Ooh, God, I love you. You just go against the grain. Even at G-Land, you were just, yeah, straight to the regular footers. I love it. There's just a certain thing with, like, backside flavor, and I think it's quite evident. And it's quite funny because all the goofy footers want a left, and... Connor O'Leary was the first one to admit this. Like, a third is not okay for a goofy footer at G-Land. Like, it's just... Final is just bare minimum. That's crazy. I mean, he to be fair, he has made a final at Cloudbreak, um, and that's one of the only opportunities he's had since he's been on tour to surf a legitimate, you know, left, like a proper left where you can do turns and get barreled. So, yeah, good on him for... I just... Uh, yeah, I love that wave of confidence he's on. It's not a wave of confidence, it's an expectation for what you want in your tour life and what you get given. I think it's quite relevant. Like, I wouldn't say it's confidence, I would say it's just this, the picture you want to paint for yourself. And and when he rolls up here, he's looking at a perfect left going, I don't get to show this too often. I know what I can give. You know, let's hopefully put something together. And when you come as close as what he did, like he broke his board and, you know, had a, not the best heat, it was it's definitely one of those things where, like, if you could tell him he was going to get fifth at Big Marg, Big Wobbly Margaret River, he'd probably be psyched. But third at G-Land, he'd be like, nah. Wow. Yeah, that's, yeah, fair enough. All right, well, unfortunately for Connor, the only left left on tour is Chopes, which, I mean, maybe that's not unfortunate, but, but my point was you're not able to do turns out there, so it's just a bit of a point-and-shoot barrel fest. 
um, which is fun in its own way, but I'm sure that he really loved mm-hmm. to lay the rail down, which we got to see him do this week, especially on finals day. Like he was, I don't know, he was, he was going really fast. And if his board didn't break in that heat, I think he was looking pretty good to make the final. Yeah, definitely. He was, uh, he was definitely looking super sharp. And even on his last wave, like it was still kind of just one more steep section away from getting the score. Unfortunately, it just sort of ran off into the gutter door the channel, which didn't happen too often, but his wave did that. And like you said earlier, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. So, all right. Like I said, El Salvador, weird forecast. Regular footers are, you know, statistically most likely. I mean, just to add a little bit of weight to that, uh, of the top 10 heat totals last year at Barra, none of them came from a goofy footer. Um, so yeah, there's just something to, I think the repertoire that you can sort of expose in your forehand, whereas backside, you know, you've got that one really strong turn off the lip. And maybe if you're really talented, you've got a few extra little whips and slides and carves, but, um, judges seem to like people looking down the line. So with all this considered, do you have any picks, Stacey, that you want to put forward? I reckon Philippe's going to be fired up and angry. So I'm going to say him. And then on the women's side, I mean, much like Carissa, it's just a numbers game, right? She's due to get something on the board, surely. Damn, those were the exact people that I was going to pick. Um, fuck it. I think we just ride it. I think we'll we'll go in unison on this one. For once, the cusp comes together. I like it. No longer divided. And at the time of recording, betonline.ag does not have their odds up just yet. They will be coming shortly, and I will give an update on the site this week about who I'm going to be picking for you know, event winners and also round one and all the rounds there through the event. Um, so keep your eyes peeled there. And again, I not to toot my own horn, but I have not lost money in any of the events that I've bet in this year. So if you want to hop aboard the train, we seem to be going in the right direction. You know what you remind me of, Mikey? What's that? Someone who you play golf with, and they never hit the shot of the day, but they always hit it down the middle, 100 yards at a time, all the way to the hole. They're never, ever, (laughs) ever going to get a birdie or an eagle, but they're almost always going to get a par or one over. And it fucking shits me to tears. You lay down to like $8 bets and stuff. Like, I have never, I don't ever bet, but when I do, it's not $8. <laughs> You're just going to chip away at it, Stacey. Hey, it's about fucking... Oh, that's amazing. It's relief and despair. And, and what you're doing is just bludgeoning. Bludgeoning me to death with your twelve dollar bets. Hey, as soon as uh, Bet Online gets a, a parlay option up, which is called multi for people in Australia, then we can start having some fun. But for now, I got to play the game, man. And yeah, it's uh, you know I will say if you go back and you look at the bets that I made through the rounds, there in every round there were one or two heats that I'd throw down on as places where I think that they were a bit exposed, where they really undervalued one of the surfers in relation to the other. You know, like, I think my biggest bet was maybe on Samuel Poupeau over Kelly Slater, where obviously you think Kelly Slater, G-Land, et cetera, et cetera, but, you know, they might not be looking at the forecast as closely as we are. And when I see a two-foot left and it's kind of, like, dribbly and fast, yeah, I'm going to throw down on Samuel Poupeau over Kelly Slater all day long. And so, yeah, it's about... Knowing when to strike, but I agree there there are a lot of tiny little jabs in there, and then I, I won't even say the occasional haymaker. Just you know, the occasional right hook will come through, and I'll and I'll 
catch a few dollars off the nose of Kelly Slater, which is fine by me. The other thing that's worth noting about this is that you probably started this betting campaign with your boss's money. So why don't you start driving this car like it's stolen and hit for the hills? (laughs) Okay, fair enough. All right, in the next event, I promise I will place some form of wager over $100. That's my promise to you, Stacey. I like to see it. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, and by the way, um, as far as a right-hand point goes, I'm surprised that you didn't bring up Steph Gilmore at all. Do you not think that she is in a prime position to win here? Yeah, she she should be winning at waves like this, and she's actually surfing really, really good at G-Land in some of the warm-up surfs. Um, definitely the best I've seen her look going left, maybe ever. Like, the repetition you get out here is so good at such a long wave, even when it's small. Um, so I feel like... Uh, weirdly enough, going left a lot, I do think, does help your front side. I think you can you learn to push in different parts of the wave. So I definitely think that'll help her going into El Salvador, as ridiculous as that sounds. But, yeah, I don't know. I just think maybe Carissa just probably got like a tiny bit more fire in the belly. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a Carissa-Steph final, for sure. So one last thing. We've just seen our first event of the back half of the tour, which means we're getting to see this new WSL format for the first time. I know it was a little bit hard to actually like feel like you got to experience it based on you know the amount of days off and all that, but what's your take on it? And I guess for reference, I got a message from a Stabcusp listener who was actually pretty upset by it because he said that it, it stripped away all the meaning of the back half of the tour because people aren't fighting for their spots anymore and you know they're only going for the top five versus actually fighting for a world title. So. Do you think that that was more just a result of the event being sort of lackluster and slow and all that? Or do you think this person has a point? I think because the event forecast wasn't as good as what we would have hoped for, it highlighted that point, and I completely agree with our loyal listener. I just feel there's heats in the draw that I'm looking at, and I'm going, what does this mean to this person other than an event win? which an event win is massive and it's great and it's a hundred grand and it's a tiger trophy and that's fantastic. But in the bigger picture, you know, there's really only like a few names that are really going to be fighting for that on the men's side of the top five. So I completely agree. I, I think on the women's side, it's completely different. It's so diverse this year. It's actually super exciting to see who's going to end up in the top five. But the men like Robbo and... Philippe are already starting to pull away. It's already starting to look like a two-horse race if you have a look at like where the numbers are. So, yeah, I agree. I totally agree. And then it's also like, does that two-horse race even matter? Like, they could finish 20,000 points ahead of everybody else, but when it comes to finals day, Robbo's still surfing against that number three surfer, or I guess number four or five surfer, depending on how it plays out before him. But you know what I mean? Like, it's not like there's that much value in having that incredible of a season. It, it is It is one thing that I definitely didn't predict this happening. I definitely didn't feel like I would be as sort of disillusioned with it. I, I was all for it, pre-cut. I was like, this is sick. You know, three days to run an event in 10 days with the best of the best. Um, let's, let's see how it looks. Um, but yeah, there was definitely a fair few heats where I was like, you know, win, lose, or draw, this heat doesn't really have, like, a 
proper long-term storyline for me. Yeah. Well, I'll be curious to see how we feel after, you know, maybe El Salvador or J-Bear or some of the other events. I think we need to see it play out over a longer course before we have a full opinion formed on this. But yeah, it could be that, you know, maybe the front half of the year is the most exciting part of the year, which um, would be interesting until the until the WSL finals, of course. I think that'll always bring us back in. Um, okay, so with that, before we go out, do you have any unpopular opinions either for G-Land or El Salvador or professional competitive surfing in general? I don't have any unpopular opinions. However, I was surfing this afternoon down the bottom of the point with just one other gentleman. He happened to be... Uh, one of the staff doctors who'd been coming here for 30 years. And I won't divulge any private medical information about anyone. However, I would like to give everyone that looking to return to Indonesia or El Salvador for that matter, just a gentle reminder to look after yourself in these countries because it is, you know, we are in the jungle and El Salvador is notorious as well for... Uh, for a um, you know a bit of an upset stomach, so pack those hydrolytes, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that's a good tip. All right, well, my unpopular opinion, and you know, if you look at the current leaderboard, it may not seem that unpopular, but if you consider the past few years of professional surfing, I think it is. And I don't think Ito Ferrer is going to make the top five this year. He just hasn't had it, and he seems to have a different mindset. And his boards have said Bravo on the bottom all year, which means angry and. You can kind of sense that, but it's not this sort of anger that seems to be fueling success. It's like just like general anger with the world, which I don't really know where it's stemming from or if I'm just projecting way too much. But yeah, I don't know. Itzalo just hasn't really connected this year. So that's my uh, unpopular opinion. I like it. I I wonder if he got hurt after his first wave um, after that air. I I don't think I've ever seen Italo so subdued in a heat in my life. A three foot left, Italo Ferreira, that's a... 18 wave wave count for me um so yeah i wonder yeah i wonder if everything's sort of all on track there but i'll see how your opinion plays out all right well i think that's it then for this episode of the stab cusp obviously we'll be having our eyes closely attuned to el salvador or at least i will because it's in my time zone this time uh stacy i hope you enjoy some quality time with your family and you get into that new job at quicksilver um and we're gonna obviously keep you on here we couldn't afford to lose you so um yeah we'll be chatting after the event i look forward to it mikey best of luck with throwing down hard go buy yourself a new motorbike or something skits there we go hundred dollar bet coming in hot uh until then this has been the stab cusp over and out